0: Hello, thank you for joining me on one more episode of Slow Mo. I am just out of my 50 days retreat, as I told you. In a previous episode, this has been a life changing experience for me. One of the things that I experienced on that retreat is I, at the beginning of it, subscribed to a food plan, not one to make me slim and uh, sexy, but basically I subscribed to one that was promising an anti-inflammatory diet and within a week Of being on that plan, I found my body completely reforming. So I was texting my co-author and wonderful friend Alice Law saying this anti-inflammatory thing, this is like serious. And she said, I know the absolute expert. I need to introduce you to Yalda. Yalda Alawi is a, I don't know, is a Moroccan Persian, French, British, investment banker, believe it or not, turned into a nutritionist, an entrepreneur, and really a committed practitioner of a healthy lifestyle that has helped hundreds, maybe thousands of people understand how our diet and lifestyle affects everything that we go through. Her program, Eat, Burn, Sleep, is proving to change lives, quite a few of them, every day. One of the things I was doing on my retreat was editing the chapter in my next book that Alice has written, which was about being physically stressed and the stresses we put on our body. And, you know, a lot of what she was writing about was really applying to me. She mentions Yalda very clearly. So I asked for the introduction and I have to say, Yalda doesn't disappoint. So we've become really good friends. We've uh, really discussed everything. I don't know if we can discuss everything that we discuss here in front of you, but I'll focus first on the idea of health and nutrition. But also, I'd love to bring to you the human that puts her life for that mission and purpose. Yalda is a mother of two divorced, so I call that a single mother. She doesn't, but we'll we'll talk about that. And, uh, and a very successful woman entrepreneur. As you know, here on Slow Mo, it's a topic that I really love to bring to the spotlight, how a woman succeeds in a world that's sometimes hyper masculine. So join me to welcome my uh, dear friend and uh, incredible, incredible woman, Yalda Alawi. Yalda, thank you for coming all the way here. Thanks for our wonderful conversations. And thank thank you for making the time. And um, I want to start a little bit with you, the person, Mm -hmm. which I jokingly and say Persian Moroccan is a very Dangerous mix. <laughs> <laughs> where and how and where did you grow up? What did you feel being that mix growing up? How has that affected your life and taken you to where you are?
1: I think you can explain a lot about me based on that, obviously. <laughs> is it? Um, we all come from somewhere and we all have a story that shapes us. And uh, I, my dad is Persian. My mom is Moroccan. I was born in France, but a few weeks after I was born, we moved to Morocco. My mom just gave birth to me in France, and I grew up in Morocco from 0 to 12. At the beginning of my life, I was in Fez, which is uh, more inland. We were with my grandparents, and I developed a very strong bond with my grandmother. I still have a Faisi accent in Moroccan Arabic, which everyone in Morocco makes fun of because apparently it's like an ancient accent. And then we moved to Kenitra, which is a small town, colonial town by the seaside. And growing up, it was a very... I used to think my childhood was boring. And now I look back thinking, oh my God, it was incredible. The first supermarket opened when I was 12. We would go to farmer's markets to buy food We would play tennis, ride horses, go to the forest in the winter and the beach in the summer.
0: (laughs) That's boring?
1: Because, you know, as a kid, like you want to be in a big city. I was like, why am I in a small town? You know, (laughs) in France, people had so many cartoons on TV, like we had about an hour a week or something like that when I was very small. Um, But that led to being quite outdoorsy, sporty, very connected to the people around us and Kenitra was a town where you had Muslims, Jews, and Christians living together, growing up together. So before I moved to France, I was completely oblivious to to the fact that there was a conflict putting Jews and Muslims against each other. Because to me, we were the same, just a bit different, you know?
0: I love that about Morocco,
1: actually. Yeah. So I was... When I went to, to, to France, people were saying, oh yeah, Muslims hate Jews. I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Which
0: Muslims, which Jews? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: So when I was 12, we moved to France. I lived in Tours, in the Loire Valley, where, where my parents had studied. Then I did um, Prépa, which is um, it's the French system. It prepares you to the Grand École. And then I did a business school in Lille called EDEC. And I... I was quite a creative kid but I could do maths and in the French system maths is la voie royale the royal way it? Mm. so if you can do maths they push you towards that mm. that's how I ended up doing going to a business school and when I was in business school we had the choice between law marketing and finance and because I could do maths I ended up doing finance Man. and then I end, I got to do a postgraduate at LSE in accounting and finance so I was literally, when I was working on the trading floor, all the people around me had wanted to be on the trading floor since they were tiny and worked so hard. And I was there by absolute accident. <laughs>
0: you worked on the trading
1: floor as yes. a trader? Yeah, I was not a trader. I was a salesperson. Uh-huh. So I was covering financial institutions. I was covering the Middle East in foreign exchange, structured and and flow products and uh Middle Eastern and Northern African banks and central banks. Those were my clients. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be a trader. I mean, I was offered jobs as traders and structures, but you sit down in front of your screen all the time. And I was like, this is the best way for me to age and become (laughs) really attractive." And I was like, no way. I need to be on my feet. So I ended up doing sales because when you're sales, you take the plane, you go to Dubai, you go to... You know, you go to see the Central Bank of Morocco in Rabat, you're, you're on your feet much more. Mm. So you get to do steps. It's healthier <laughs> for you. <laughs>
0: yes. Who chooses jobs based on steps? All right. I did.
1: <laughs> I did. I was, like, I was like, I'm not giving up my health. I'm not <laughs> for a bank. Yeah. Not for a bonus. Not worth it.
0: How long were you in the, uh, you know, in the trading systems? Until the, I yeah. had
1: my eldest son in 2008, which it was completely... Chance, you know, that it happened during the financial crisis, and um, <laughs> yeah. and my last job actually was at Citigroup, and they so kindly kept my job for a long time. I said to them, "I'm not coming back," and they were like, "A lot of people, you know, say, oh, they didn't treat women well. We can talk about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I was less well paid than my male counterparts, producing as much money as, or even less money than I was producing, but." Citibank treated me really well and kept my job for a couple of years after I left.
0: I mean, it's very rare to see that, sadly, even today. I mean, especially in finance and tech, where I believe in my experience, it's still not fair in many countries in the world. France definitely being one of them. There are a few countries, I think the Netherlands, Norway, and so on, where there is that equity. But... Not everywhere. Maybe anymore. it
1: was an in, in inefficiency. Mm. After 08 and everything blowing up, they forgot to fire me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's keep... Let's, let's keep uh, what, who was that? I actually know of a friend of mine who was paid for... Uh, I mean, not a friend, a friend of a friend who was paid for a year and a bit after he was fired. So, you know... I mean, this they is, well,
1: when they this rang is them,
0: inefficiency at its best. Yeah, really. I rang yeah.
1: them and I was like, "I'm listen, I'm pregnant with my second child or I think... Or I had my second child. I was like, can, can we just end this? They were like, oh, yeah, 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 sure. Okay. Oh,
0: yeah. You, you are, you...
1: <laughs> yeah, I called which?" Like, just...
0: <laughs> so so you left work for your kids?
1: Yeah,
0: 100%. Oh, that is a very... um. Maybe some feminists will be upset to hear you say that.
1: Okay. So first, Mo, you're a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Sorry. You can't generalize. I didn't left my work. I left a job in a male-dominated environment based on the principle of greed, where I was around 10 hours a day on the trading floor, which is very male energy. If you wanna raise your children, breastfeed them, see them. You know, everyone says, oh, women can have it all. It's not true. There are only 24 hours in the day, and babies need feeds. I cannot be in Canary Wharf, closing trades and on planes to the Middle East And feed my baby for nine months with my own boobs. Mm. It's just, you know, we can... These days, there are so many things that are being said which are just make no sense, okay? And I might get canceled for saying this, but this is my truth. For me, I was thinking, I was in the fortunate position to have enough money to raise them Mm -hmm. with their father. And I said to him, I said, I don't even want to be pregnant on the trading floor. It's a male energy. It's very aggressive. Female energy. It's all about giving. Being a, being a mum. It's selfless gift over and over. Making money on a trading floor is greed. Is like, I take and I take and I take. And I was like, these two energies clash. He said to me, "Oh, you can't resign now." I had just gotten like a positive test or eight weeks pregnant. You you could have a miscarriage. Duh, duh, duh. Anyway. I was of the view that I want out early because this is the most important thing in my life is all these little moments and everything influences a life, especially at the beginning. Being calm, your cortisol levels. I wanted a natural birth. I was lucky to do it. I wanted to breastfeed. I was lucky to be able to do it because the baby's microbiome is completely different and immunity if the the milk f- comes from the mother, and especially as the mouth attaches to the boob, it sends signals to the brain of the mother, and then the milk produced adapts itself depending on how much the baby slept, does it need more water, and all of that. So I'm a very strong, ambitious person and entrepreneur, but I'm also, I have very strong maternal instincts and I'm very family-oriented. Oriented. So for me, I knew that stopping working at that time was the right thing but that didn't mean that i was going to stop working full time i just didn't want to be in that system and i know that banks since have you know created much more facilities for women to to be able to continue working but i re- i remember when uh, when i was i forgot which bank it was but there was a lady who was working part-time because she had children and everyone considered her to almost not be there because she wasn't fully there and i'm sure her bonuses were probably pretty low and i was thinking what's the point of even setting foot here if i'm not going to get paid properly
0: so i'm uh, a man I, okay. I, I am I am very supportive. So I, I have to admit, and I may be attacked for this because I don't have the answer. I don't have the solution. But I, I believe that, you know, I find it funny that when you need to drive a car, you need a driver's license, right? You need to be qualified. You need to be paying attention on the road. But when you have a child, you're not, You don't really need to step up for that incredible responsibility, incredible gift and responsibility. And I think what ends up happening is that we get blinded, uh, maybe cornered by society, by our ambition, by our career and so on to to stay the course of. Hey, their time will come, I don't want them to disrupt my flow, my career, my growth, my progress, and so on. And I'm actually very much in your camp on this. I have to say, my position is that I used to call it the operating system phase of a child. You know, the first few years are so critical. So critical. So critical. And they are defined mostly in my view with that nurturing energy of the mother right? And so, yes, the father can love and hug and carry and change diapers. But I believe there is something very unique about the feminine reality of life giving. The woman is able to give life. And so I think there is something around caring for that life. And it's a very courageous decision, which I don't, I don't advocate for everyone, but I definitely advocate that everyone considers how important that new life form that came into your life is and how affected it is by not only your absence, but even your presence when you're bombarded with all of that negativity or greed or whatever, as you rightly yeah. said, it's a very, it's a very courageous thing to say. And maybe, maybe we should leave it at that before people uh, you know, <laughs> leave, leave the podcast. But, but the truth in my mind is that it is definitely a mistake with the work world of today that that needs to change. And I attempted to change that in most of my startups to give the mother more time to be with her child. But also it is something that mothers should definitely consider very seriously.
1: So I just want to say something to all the mothers listening. We are wired with guilt as moms. The moment we get pregnant, we start wondering if we've done anything wrong. So if you've had babies and and you've worked, don't feel guilty. If you're at home, and you're not working, and you're looking at women who are working, please let go of guilt. <laughs> to all the, If you have breastfed, and you feel that maybe your child is too attached to you now, please let, let go of guilt. And if you have not managed to breastfeed, and you feel like you've been failing at that, please let go of guilt. All the women who come to me, they all come with so much guilt and I still have it today. We're wired with it. So to all the mums listening, please let go of any guilt you may have. You're doing an amazing job.
0: I second that. You're doing just the fact that you can mother a child is an amazing job. Ask a man who can admit to himself that we suck at it and, <laughs> and you'll know that it's true. I mean, I, I always say that my incredible son, Ali, my amazing daughter, Aya, were really, really raised by my wife, not by me. I mean, we, there is, again, something about the love and nurturing that can only be given by an incredible being like a mother. So let's move on
1: <laughs> before
0: people, some people dislike us. So you left banking. Yeah. And how long did you stay away from work in general?
1: So what happened to me was a few things happened. First, I have a very inquisitive mind and I get bored pretty quickly. So, (laughs) during the years of not working, I did a history of art course at Sotheby's. I was a part-time teaching assistant in a school in Brixton as part of charity work. I was always doing things in the background. Mm. But also, unfortunately, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, ulcerative colitis. Mm -hmm. So, my health started deteriorating, and that's when I started really trying to understand why I became ill and how I could get better. Unfortunately, so my first diagnosis was during my first pregnancy, but the symptoms were very mild. After my first child was born, I started really, you know, getting much more acute symptoms. Then I got a bit better. I had a second baby. And after the second baby was born, he was born 2010, in 2012, I was diagnosed with another autoimmune disease called autoimmune hemolytic anemia, and I almost died a couple of times. Oh, wow. And during all that time, I'm basically trying to research health way before social media and all of that. And it's me, Google, books, research, studies, talking to doctors, traveling the world, meeting people, trying to find a solution to my issues. And one day, finally the penny drops and I'm like the thing in common between my two diseases is inflammation and this is what I need to fix so I developed the lifestyle which I now share Um, so a lot of the years where I was not working I was actually researching this method that I share now it took me I did over 10 years of research I did 10,000 hours two or three (laughs) times
0: (laughs) yeah it shocks me. I have to say that I believe now more and more that this is true. That inflammation is probably beyond, behind a lot of the of the suffering we have the the health suffering that
1: we yeah, have. Yeah, seventy eight percent of deaths worldwide are linked to non communicable diseases. It's diseases that you cannot catch, and those are triggered by the presence of chronic inflammation. Mm. So. Anything, like if in your family there is cholesterol or diabetes, cancer, heart attacks, Parkinson's, you can think of anything that you cannot catch. If you carry those genes and you start and you have chronic inflammation, that will trigger gene expression and those genes will get expressed and you have more chances of developing those health issues. Mm. So chronic inflammation is a dysregulation of the immune system leading to basically all diseases. And when it comes to viruses, we've seen during lockdown that when people have underlying health issues and by that they meant chronic inflammation Mm. or running inflammation, their body didn't respond to the virus in a good way. Their immune system was not able to do a good job and they had many more chances of dying Mm. because chronic inflammation really dysregulates and weakens the immune system
0: but then chronic inflammation is how widely present in our society today.
1: I think everyone's inflamed.
0: Is that true? I think I was horribly inflamed until I started to take care.
1: So so people ask me how can I check for my inflammation? There's a healthy inflammation, okay, mm. which is acute inflammation. It's when we catch a virus and the body responds with a def- defense mechanism like fever. Mm. That is healthy, okay. Or for example, you you break a bone, and for the tissues to reseal, everything is going to become red. It's going to get very inflamed, so it can the tissues can repair themselves. What is dangerous is when we have low grade inflammation for a long time, and that's called chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. Chronic inflammation can be caused by poor gut health,
0: mm-hmm.
1: by cortisol levels high cortisol which is stress some forms of exercise that put stress on the body like really high intensity or a lack of exercise lack of sleep chemicals in the environment there's so many things that get the body give the body the impression it's being attacked a little bit not oh. hugely like a virus mm. but a little bit so it's sending a little bit of defense all the time and that's when you get chronic inflammation
0: But that's, I think, the truth of our life every day. Correct. So
1: most people are inflamed. So I would strongly advise for everyone to start living an anti-inflammatory lifestyle for their own benefit. You get less anxiety, better gut health, less... Look at me, talking about this, less foggy brain. (laughs) (laughs) Forgetting a
0: little while you say it.
1: (laughs) Better cognitive function (laughs) (laughs) yeah but also decreasing your chances of developing problems later but you feel it immediately you feel better because you're sharper you're you're basically Mm. your body's functioning better when you're living this anti-inflammatory lifestyle and you know a lot of people for example become vegan for the environment or for ethical reasons and that's a whole debate does it help the environment or not that's not a debate for another day But if you lower your inflammation, you have better productivity, you're a better friend because you're in a better mood, Mm -hmm. you have less chances of anxiety, you're lifting people around you, you have less chances of disease, you're supporting the healthcare systems, so you're supporting the government, you're supporting the taxpayer because you're less of a cost, and you're focusing on healthier foods, so you're supporting the planet. Mm -hmm. Because you're going for better farming, less packaged stuff.
0: So is it all about food? Is this
1: No, it my my method, it's not just about food. Yeah. The reason why I re I, I, I worked that out is mm. I had I knew that my dietary choices were on point and I couldn't quite get into remission mm. because I was in I was in an unhappy marriage. So, so I had stress. stress. Mm. Yeah. And um and once I got out of that unhappy marriage, I finally managed to be medication free. But I included, so that's why in my method.
0: <laughs> Is that what part of your advice? It's like if you're in <laughs> well, an unhappy marriage. No,
1: what I'm, I, I, actually, <laughs> I actually never said this publicly before. It's the first time. But mm. my children know about it. They're old enough to know now that I, I can say it. And I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about my perception of mm. the marriage. I was not happy and I had to go. But when I left, of course, there was stress around the divorce. And around that time, I got quite sick. But post-divorce, my health started getting better and better and better. And I was doing all these meditation routines that I'm sharing on the platform. And I developed the mental wellness part of it during that time. Because I realized, I thought, oh my God, I can have the best food if I'm really stressed. Like at the moment of divorce, I end up in hospital. So... It's not just food. It's not just food. So my method is based on three pillars, food, movement, mental wellness.
0: Mm.
1: And the three are- So
0: that's the eat is food, burn is movement, and mental wellness is sleep. So when you sleep, that means you're okay. Yeah. Hmm.
1: But actually I haven't shown the, the name I picked before. It's a long story, but, but the sleep encompasses that. So sleeping is very anti-inflammatory because when we're lying down, we trigger the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. And 70% of the immune system cells are in the gut. So digestion is very important. The mental wellness part, there are morning and evening, very quick meditation routines, and there are some meditation videos to help people, you know, how to overcome a stressful time, how to be healthy, stress-free, little hacks to reach your goals quicker. Like I keep adding to it to really support people mentally, and I've got the whole movement section with anti-inflammatory workouts.
0: Hmm. Okay. I uh, I need you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have I sold it?
0: <laughs> no. I, I. It is definitely so. I. I actually have to say openly. I did not recognize that my body was so inflamed. In typical achiever kind of lifestyle, to me, you know, one more 12 hour flight followed by very bad sleep, followed by airport food, followed by this. And, you know, to me, it was like, yeah, man up, you can do this. And I will tell you openly, make a mistake, like the difference in lifestyle I'm not ashamed to say this. I've been on laxatives for 27 years straight, right? Every single night I would need a laxative. And then I go on an anti-inflammatory lifestyle and life is so easy now. I don't have bloating, I don't have joint pains, I don't have headaches. It's quite something really. People who work really uh, close with me know that when I'm publishing a new book or going on a tour of some sort, Around two-thirds of the way into the tour, I start to catch the flu literally every fourth day, every fifth day, right? Why? Because my immunity is down to zero and anything can turn my life into a, a hell, a living hell, really. And so I, I am completely sold on this. But I think I think the the recipe is not that clear. Let me ask, maybe if you don't mind, about each of them separately. Food, to me, since I didn't know exactly how my food plan worked, I decided after I finished my retreat to go completely off gluten, off lactose, off sugar, 100% off sugar. And there are certain foods that don't feel great to me. So I go off those as well, which basically leaves me nothing in the main street market of food. If I go to a restaurant, I go to a cafe, I'm going through an airport, literally I take a few rice cakes with me and that's all I am allowed to eat, right? Now, this basically tells me that everyone else who doesn't take rice cakes with them is inflamed.
1: Well, rice cakes are quite inflammatory. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Two of them will make me live. All right. Okay. But, good. So I have nothing left. No. So,
1: okay. So I'll tell you about my approach. Okay. Yeah. I love food. I love life. I like to have a drink. I like to have fun. The way I created this is because some of my biggest pleasures are a cup of coffee. Ugh, oh, I love coffee. Okay. And a very good glass of bordeaux fine wine uh, look at the french side <laughs> <laughs> and when i was ill and food is my thing i love food i love eating when i was really sick i felt like i was in prison mm. because we would go to all these amazing places we'd go to italy they were serving the most amazing coffees and and that food and amazing wines we were invited to parties and i couldn't have any of it because i'd just be in cramps and feeling awful so i wanted to find a way that i could still have my pleasures mm. so my lifestyle is there a way yes <laughs> okay it's what? the Sleep it's, it's the <laughs> lifestyle which <laughs> are going to start after this podcast immediately am I?
0: am I okay so it's
1: based on the principle of damage limitation what is that so the way i see health is there's a low lots of low-hanging fruit mm. You're at your desk, you're working, it's not exciting anyway, you might as well eat vegetables and protein and things like that. Mm. You go to an amazing Italian restaurant, truffles are in season, the pasta is going to be homemade, it's worth it, have it. Mm. Okay. This is how the lifestyle works. So we've got food lists, the green list, the orange list and the red lists. And it's a traffic light system, so the green you can have all the time, orange and red, you know, orange once a day, red a few times a week. and
0: Oh, so you, you're, you're saying you can have an insulin. Anything.
1: And the reason why I don't cut out food groups 100% is at the beginning, I didn't cut anything out 100% because my experience during my illness, traveling the world, seeing the best nutritionists and the best doctors, is whenever I was given something extreme, I'd get even sicker
0: extreme even if extreme on the healthy side
1: because any extreme measure can lead to an extreme result and the body sees extremes as a shock Mm. so my method is so easy to follow it's gentle but also when i continued my own research and then i retrained as a nutritionist and you know i studied biomedicine and nutrition i've realized i've come to realize that when you stop some food 100 percent for a long time you lose the gut bacteria to digest it Oh! and the most difficult cases for me were people who had been vegan for a long time who started having iron deficiency b12 deficiency you know problems with elasticity in the skin muscle mass issues and all of that and um and their doctor's doctor said you've got to start reintroducing animal protein because the chain of amino acid is not complete in plant protein i mean it's it's a bit more complex than this but just to to say it simply and to rebuild the gut bacteria to digest animal products like even egg or fish when you haven't had it like for over five years
0: i I know that for certain i had a experience once I was vegetarian for a very, very long time. I'm very careful about the animal proteins that I eat. I eat very little, but I was a very, I was vegetarian, I think for 10 years by 2004, when I landed in Istanbul, 2 AM in the morning, haven't eaten anything all day. And the only hot meal on the menu was a burger. And so I ordered a burger at 2 AM and I promise you my stomach, my, my digestive system was like, What is this? Yeah. I have no idea how to deal with this. I spent four days in bed unable to move because my body completely forgot how to deal with this. Correct. Yeah.
1: So my method will not cut anything out. Completely. No. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. People say to me, oh, is wheat really bad for you? Is it a a red food? Well, wheat is not a red food. It depends what kind of wheat we're talking about. If you're talking about a burger bun bun, that's
0: quite processed, processed,
1: that's definitely red food. If you're talking to me about sourdough bread or homemade pasta, that's orange food. Interesting. So my traffic light system is always going into the nuances of things. Mm. Potatoes, which kind of potatoes, what size? So my, my aim with this platform is educational. Because education is power. And I teach people what the big principles of living in anti-inflammatory lifestyles are. At the beginning, this starts with a six-week reset. They feel amazing. But it's the second effect that's more powerful. It's when they are super educated. They have tuned into their bodies. You were, for example, disconnected from your body. Absolutely. Okay? Mm. Doing things, not even noticing Absolutely. the harm. Absolutely. Until you ended up in bed. And so when people start on this anti-inflammatory lifestyle, when they start having treats of very processed stuff, they feel terrible. Exactly. And they go, oh my God, have I become intolerant? I said, no. The bar has moved. Yeah. You set the bar higher for your body and your body now, because it's fed good things, is realizing how poisonous that stuff is.
0: Yeah. And suddenly your body itself is actually telling you, I don't like that stuff. Yes. You don't crave it
1: anymore. Correct. Because the gut bacteria has changed. Hmm. So oftentimes the cravings we have, it's not us, it's the bugs in our tummy.
0: Tell me more about that. (laughs) 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 This <laughs> is a bit disgusting, the fact that most of what we feed is bacteria. Yeah, really. and even yeah.
1: emotions. Because yeah. Yeah. the neurotransmitters are. <laughs> you think you're in love? No, it's the little bugs in your tummy. <laughs> is that true? Okay, okay. No, not about <laughs> oxytocin, but you know, serotonin, dopamine, melatonin, all the neurotransmitters, 60% of them are produced.
0: By the gut, yeah. In the
1: small intestine, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what would be on the red list examples?
1: Oh, things 100% on the red list, Coca-Cola, processed burgers, you know, <laughs> yes. things like that. There's yeah. zero nutrition. Mm-hmm. And the problem with processed foods, it's they don't bring nutrition. That's one thing. If it was just that, it'd be okay. Mm. The problem is they wipe out the good bacteria from the gut. Because mm. look, if you buy a, a McDonald's burger, it can stay in your fridge for I don't know how many months. Is that true? Yes, because they have all these preservatives so all these things in it it's antibacterial
0: yeah yeah, basically so if you
1: ingest it it's as if you were eating dettol Mm. you think of the cooling the the hand gel sanitizer it's like pouring sanitizer inside and all of the bacteria and you're getting rid of a lot of bacteria number of species it has been proven there was study on this and also the weight Mm. Sorry, I'm going to push you off (laughs) here. But we all carry around four pounds, five pounds of bacteria in our gut.
0: No way. Yeah. That's like trillions of bacteria.
1: Yeah, we have a lot of little guys. (laughs) And then on our skin, everywhere. We have a hollow biome around us. Each person so, you know, in families...
0: I'm not going to hug you
1: again. <laughs> or maybe you don't want to hug me and get all my good guys from all my good diet. Maybe you'll have to pay to hug me now.
0: <laughs> I would, anytime. <laughs> yeah. what, 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 what does that mean? Four pounds of bacteria?
1: Yes, we have around two kilos, four or five pounds of bacteria in the gut. Wow. Mm-hmm. We that... do.
0: And we always hear about good bacteria. Is it all
1: good? No, well, that's the problem why people are so unwell right now is in the in the gut you've got bacteria, you've got fungi, you've got and you've got good guys and bad guys. And let's just make a very simple analogy. You've got a group of, of good guys, they're green, and the bad guys are red. Everything you eat will feed either these guys or these guys or wipe everyone out. Oh. Okay? Mm. Or maybe wipe just the good guys out, depending. Mm. Okay? So some people have terrible diets. So the red guys are going up. And they think that by taking a probiotic just once a day, these guys are going to win. It's not going to happen. Every food we put in our mouth has an effect on our gut and as a result on our mood, on our blood sugar levels, on, on everything. It is what we eat is the most and and what we think the food for the brain and the food for (laughs) the body and the air and the water that's what determines us Mm. it's so important
0: Mm. so if someone decides listening to us today to change their diet to say okay I'm gonna go you said there is a six weeks reset yeah Uh, when do you think your body is back to normal if there is anything that's known as normal?
1: Well, I think this is a very good question. And my aim with it is actually to bring us back to a natural state of well-being, to the optimal health point where we would be without the pollution, okay, Mm. and all these things we've gone through. So it takes 21 days to rewire habits, Mm -hmm. and 42 days is a cycle, six weeks. Mm. It's a quarantine, Mm. you know, in most religions, in most cultures, Morning is around 40 days in Islam. Uh, Lent is around 40 days. So that's why I did the re- what I call the reset six weeks. Because at the end of the six weeks, you have really completely reset your system. Mm. And generally, people at the end of six weeks feel incredible. Mm.
0: And then it's more of a question of maintenance, if you want, being so, careful, don't, no, don't destroy it again type thing. So,
1: yeah. So then we move on to what I call the lifestyle guide. Mm. What do you do when you go out, when you travel, if you overindulge? Mm. So then people start following this lifestyle with the 80-20 mindset. Mm. And by all means, once in a while, have your burger because you know what? It makes you happy and that is good for you you know mm. so it's not i nothing is really off limit it's mm. about how to rebalance it all the time so that's what i teach with the lifestyle guide and there are so many sections what to do after overindulging there are little protocols people and we have a forum with nutritionists and myself supporting every member and what we allow them to do is to understand that this is not about being perfect this is not about being on it, or failing. I made it 80-20, but sometimes myself, I go towards 60-40. And I need you to- You ksh- Yeah, I did this. You so know, your,
0: your your clients are gonna listen to this. Yes, <laughs> but it's the
1: truth. I talk to, it about, talk to them about it, so I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I mess up so many times, it doesn't matter, I just come back. Mm. Because that's what pays results over the long run, is to keep coming back. You keep coming back, you keep coming back, and at the end of the day, all these little incremental changes over a year, you're like a completely different person.
0: You know, it's, it keeps popping up in my life so much now because one of the biggest findings of my reflection in the, the retreat is the idea of life being an infinite game, not a finite game. So there is no winning really. There's no way you can do something for six weeks and say, that's it, I'm done, I'm cured. You have to continue to play all the time. Yeah, And to be gentle, while you play to yourself is basically the only way you can continue to play Correct. for the long term really yeah. right yeah yeah so so burn burn is just workouts like go yes. run around do so, yoga and stuff like that
1: yeah but actually i came to realize myself that some workouts can be so some yoga classes can be anti-inflammatory and some can be rather inflammatory is that true absolutely it's about the intensity it's about so I kept going to different exercise classes, sometimes getting injured because people, you know, can get a qualification in six weeks, eight weeks. (laughs) I actually had a very bad injury in a yoga class in Miami. I had a disc bulge the standard, anyway, long story. And I would go to a gym and I would always do, I would go to classes, Pilates, yoga, I would always do my own modifications. And then I had enough, so I started doing my own workouts. And when I did my own workouts where I would strengthen and then do special stretches and breathing to decrease cortisol levels and remove the inflammatory effects of a workout whilst keeping the upside of muscle strengthening or stretching, endorphins and all of that, I started seeing much better results. And during lockdown, a lot of people who had signed up, so I launched the platform in October 19 march 2020 yep you know the world stops and i start getting all these messages on instagram please yelda can you film your workouts please tell us what you do please please so around june 2020 i said okay guys this is my jam Mm. these are my workouts this is what i do but me being the nerd that i am i'll talk them through it Mm. so i'm like okay we've just done this and we've Okay, we're we're gonna lie down here, and I want you to poke your abs to activate them because the mind muscle connection. If you poke them, they're gonna start activating. Is that true? Yes, and I then you know get that. better results. So in twenty five minutes, your body's like, <laughs> right then. Yeah, if
0: I poke my abs, uh, abs, I won't touch them. You see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so, so during the things, or for example, it'll be a bit intense. We're sweating, and I say, okay, now we're gonna stretch. I want you to breathe. I want you to breathe into this tension. I, so I talk to them through everything to prevent an injury and explain why we're doing the breathing. Mm. We're reducing cortisol levels. We're reducing lactic acid. We're including all these little anti-inflammatory things within the workout. So in 20 to 30 minutes on your mat, you have achieved a stronger body, more supple, without that feeling of pain post-workout and any form of pain is an inflammatory trigger for the body
0: so once again you're almost saying the opposite of what most personal trainers will say which is you know just kill yourself in the gym because it's the rip and replenish idea you're saying hold on you know you don't really need to do that when you tell yourself uh, that it's been under a lot of stress when you tell your body that's it been under a lot of stress it's going to react with inflammation and inflammation is not good for you
1: i mean my workouts if you do them you're going to hurt a bit Okay, (laughs) but I don't let the hearse happen for too long, for too much. Yeah, it's very finely calibrated. I mean, I do it in a very casual manner. It's in my bedroom, it's me out of bed, head face, no makeup, bed face, no makeup. They see me in the morning, I'm like, hi, welcome to another. I literally film what I do, Mm. but I'm I'm crazy when it comes to this. I'm a perfectionist with this. I know it's not good to be a perfectionist, but when it comes to inflammation, because I never want to end up in hospital again like I was, and I want to feel strong, I want to age beautifully. I have really this method, I keep refining it every day. And we have 120 videos now, I think, on the platform. Mm.
0: Okay. The tough one, sleep. So sleep to me is um, is not, uh, I mean, sleep itself, of course, is very restorative, but it's also a matter of mental well-being. It's a matter of emotional well-being. It's a matter of really taking care of a lot of things so that you are at the kind of calm and contentment that will allow you to just put your head and sleep, right? Mm -hmm. So tell us a bit about that. I mean, it's not like your life was emotional challenge free was it
1: that's very true so sleep is greatly influenced by the way you eat this is one of the first feedback i get oh my sleep has massively improved because of course the neurotransmitter is being produced in the gut one of them is melatonin which is the sleep hormone or neurotransmitter so if you improve your digestive function your melatonin production and circadian rhythm following the lifestyle will improve But then the other thing is, it sounds simple, but it's true. From the moment you wake up, you've got to think that you're going to sleep so well that night.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: It's neuroplasticity. If we think about something, the brain starts producing the hormones to create that. So to anyone who's listening who has sleep issues, I want you every day, several times a day, To tell yourself, "Mm, I'm going to sleep so well tonight, I can't wait. Mm. I can't wait to be in my bed. I'm going to have the most restorative sleep tonight. I'm going to sleep so well tonight. Keep repeating it and you will notice that evening that you sleep well. Myself, I'll tell you the mistakes that I make with sleep. It's forgetting to tell myself this two, three, four times a day and to make my day just go too long in terms of intensity when it comes to work because I'm quite an intense person. <laughs>
0: and, <laughs> you don't come across that way, but she is, <laughs> totally, yes.
1: I'm quite an intense person and I love to, because all the years where I was sick, I felt like I couldn't do anything that's in my <laughs> so head. I felt like, I, up now. <laughs> I, that, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right, so I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna cook for the dog. Uh I'm Cook gonna for-, for the dog. Yeah, I cook for the dog. I never
0: understood dog people. Okay. Like you you work for that creature. Like you he is the boss.
1: So I never understood dog people until my kid got me to get a dog, and now I cook for the dog. She has the most beautiful hair. And people in the park say to me, Oh my god, her coat is amazing. I'm like, Yeah, she's on an anti-inflammatory diet. <laughs>
0: you know, I'm going to make that comment and upset all dog lovers. Yes, people tell you that in the park about its hair before it decides, you know, she decides to poop and you have to pick the poop yourself. (laughs) Now, if someone is picking someone else's poop, understand this relationship determines very clearly who's the master here. Okay, so dog people, I love dogs, but I'm not picking anyone's poop up.
1: Daphne, anyway, I cook for Daphne. I'll be doing research for the platform. I'll be filming things. Da, da, da. I'll fit in a workout. Then I'll make sure to see friends and uh, do something for my kids. And when I pack in too much in a day and I forget to take time to not look at my phone, just dream, daydream a little bit, or just lie down for 10 minutes with a real book. And I forget to tell myself I'm going to sleep well that night when I don't include the breaks. mm I don't sleep as well. Interesting. So it's very important to, you know, it's the same thing as with the workouts, intensity and then relax, intensity, relax. Otherwise, if it's intense, intense, intense all the time, it becomes counterproductive.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting that people will think that if you had a very tiring day, you're supposed to sleep better. That's the opposite of the truth. That's right. Yeah. I tend to believe that preparing for sleep starts a very long time before you actually are in bed. Yeah, You know, you have to start slowing down. You have to start slowing down your mind. You have to start thinking about things that relax you. Or even your...
1: during the day, little breaks. Yeah. Take yeah. little breaks. For example, you're in a wait. Here is a good one. You're in a waiting room I've noticed no one is bored in the waiting rooms anymore. Everyone's on their phone. It's on
0: their phone, yeah.
1: So now in what I call dead moments like this, or for example, I took um, the train to come here and record the podcast. Mm-hmm. First part of the train, I had my laptop. I had some work to do. Second part, I put it in my bag. I didn't even take my book. I have a book with me. I just looked out of the window. I love
0: those moments.
1: They are very important for mental health. Mm. They're very important for creativity. They're extremely important for processing emotions. Very important. So daydreaming is extremely important for processing information, emotions. Those are not dead moments. So to all the listeners, you know, there are times where you're just between two things. Just dream. That's going to really improve your health, mental health function, your brain.
0: Yeah, I I think this is this is becoming quite difficult for a lot of people. The idea of idle moments where I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not gonna check anything. I'm not gonna swipe on anything. I'm not gonna talk to anyone. I'm just going to be silent. You know, again, coming out of 40 days of that, it's, you know, it's actually quite interesting because these are the most productive moments you'll ever get. These are the moments where your brain suddenly goes like, okay, 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 I, I now have a few minutes to solve the biggest problem I'm facing. And just get it out of my system so that I can relax and rest and and have a better sleep and so on. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, do I want to bring that up? Do I? I do. Uh, so I called you a single mother when we met, and you said, "No, I'm not." But yeah, what do you mean by that? You're you're not married, and you have kids. Is that not a single mother?
1: So maybe I'm not understanding the definition of it, but. Mm-hmm. What I understand, a single mother is a woman who brings up her children on her own. I have a co-parent. The father of my children is very present in their lives. So I don't see myself as a single mother. Uh,
0: Interesting. We happen to not be under the same roof, but
1: we're both parenting these children. And in fact... I know some people who are married and the husband doesn't help at all <laughs> and they are single mothers within a married <laughs> within a marriage. Yeah. So I don't see myself as a single mother because I have a co-parent.
0: And that makes things quite a bit different because in an interesting way it's a little more regimented if you think about it, you know, when parents are together, everyone is doing everything all the time, but you probably have like some kind of a schedule where, you know, the kids are with their father sometime and with you other time. And how does that impact on your lifestyle?
1: So what's always difficult is the separation. Yeah. So it never gets easier. Mm -hmm. The first day when they go back is always very hard for me. It's a, half a day of processing where I'm really low. And, you know, it's always like that. I have accepted it. Sometimes I'll see friends. Sometimes I will just not fill the gap and just sit on it and it doesn't matter. That's just how it is. And it was very hard for me because I was such a hands-on mum to do this. Very difficult. But I read the research and I saw that Children who have both parents involved uh, come out much more balanced than when they only have one parent over-involved and the other one not very involved. So I I accepted to do this for, for the sake of my children, not for my sake. But the upside has been that I have managed to create a business, to rebuild a real social life, to travel, to do so many things. So there was upside. It's not just downside.
0: Hmm. It's actually the first time I hear this said this way. You know, we we were talking the other uh, time, you and I, about the fact that there are so many dysfunctional partnerships that stay the course just for the children, right? So, you know, it's not working. They're not in love anymore. Maybe they fight a little bit or whatever, and they just stay because of the kids. And, there seems at least from what I heard you say to be a very serious upside to not staying in those relationships.
1: Yeah, so listen, I'm not a relationship expert, but I know that witnessing an unhealthy dynamic can set very unhealthy patterns for the future, but also I think giving up too early on a family is not a solution either. I, I'm no expert, but but for me to, you know, come to the point of saying fine I'm gonna file for divorce it's because i had gone through almost dying twice and my health was you know uh, that's a good reason <laughs> i remember thinking i so didn't want this i really didn't want this and i remember thinking this is making me so ill because i'm a very sensitive person i thought it's better for my children to have a divorced mom than a dead mom and it's on that basis wow. yeah mm-hmm. i think otherwise I'll be honest with you. I think I would have stayed another 10 years. I wouldn't have given up so easily for the kids. So I understand people who stay together for the kids because you've got this massive guilt thing of you're ruining their lives, but it's very hard to take a step back and realize that it's not good for them what they're witnessing.
0: But to associate I was going to die with marriage is
1: a big statement. So it is, and... This is again, I'm not blaming my ex husband at all, but this is how I perceived it. Mm. I was, I had a lot of stress from the marriage, and my health was not getting better. Mm. It got, you know, I started, I was just on medication nonstop, and I felt like the hospital was my new office. I couldn't get a, a remission for all those years. Mm. And I had a feeling that. You know, I had to work again. and I was in a marriage where where I was not encouraged or supported in working again. And I'm a big personality. Mm. A lot of people are happy in that kind of dynamic, but I was not happy in a dynamic like that at all.
0: Quite courageous, I have to say. It is... It just goes back to the message or theme that I keep trying to bring up here often, which is, you know, you're in charge, really. You are supposed to be doing the things that are good for your life. And sometimes those things are not easy. But to recognize them, to be able to say, look, this matters to me, even if it disrupts something that I care about or something that is supposed to be the way it is by society. It takes a lot of courage, but, you know, not encouraging for or against, but I always encourage people to consider, to understand, to say, to reflect, to say, is this really the life I want to live? Because if it isn't, then it's something that's working against you for sure.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the relationship I have with my children is amazing. And I'm so happy that they got to see me become healthy, build a business from scratch. And, you know, just they got to discover who I was after after the divorce, because before I, I didn't really, there wasn't space for me to be me.
0: I think that's amazing. Okay, I uh, will end with my typical question for all of my guests. So you can think about it if you want to, but I think you know the answer. So of all of the things that you have learned in the last 15, 20 years of your research, of your work, of your experience, if you want. What would you position as the biggest secret for
1: happiness? Insalhem insak. I have no idea what that is. It's means. Moroccan <laughs> saying for forget a problem and it will forget you.
0: Say that again in Moroccan. Yeah. Is it this your
1: broken? Insalhem insak. Oh, your
0: your Moroccan is broken. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what I do to be happy is to think happy. I love that. Okay. So I think happy to be happy. And when there are problems, I try not to think about them because otherwise they're going to make me miserable.
0: But then so, shouldn't you be solving them?
1: Yeah, of course you solve them and all of that, but you can't keep repeating them over and over and over and over. Mm. So you're not feeling a hundred percent or you're, if you keep saying, Oh my God, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. You're going to feel tired. And I'm like, it's so true. So true. So I like to think happy. So I'm like, oh, I'm so blessed. Looked at the sky. I'm walking in this beautiful park. I'm so lucky to live in this beautiful area of London. I, you know, I, I just, I think happy all the time.
0: I I love that actually and it's really simply said in in selhamin Sek is is forget about your troubles and they'll forget about you. And I I love the concept of yes, when it's time to sit down and work on them, work through them, you know, solve them, remove them, whatever, yes, do that. But then don't just sit there incessantly thinking about them, when you're really achieving nothing with that thought other than making yourself miserable. I I think that's uh That's a a solid piece of wisdom right there. And I think, interestingly, that you seem to have repeated to us that you can also think good sleep. You can also think good food and health. You can think good habits. It always starts in the way you think about life, which I think is really a very profound way of looking at it.
1: Yeah, the brain is our most powerful and most underused tool
0: underused (laughs) underused Uh, wrongly used I would say Uh, it's used all the time in incessant thoughts and and, yes you're right yeah yeah, but But,
1: but we don't tap so all these things happiness health it starts in the head
0: yeah It does start in the head. I am actually quite happy that uh, I had you here today, and I am really grateful for all your advice. I uh, definitely think that uh, listeners maybe would want to consider uh, checking Eat, burn, sleep. Yelda's Instagram page is vibrant, lively, full of advice. So maybe go and check that out as well. But at the end of the day, I think what really matters is you may not recognize, just like I did not recognize, how horribly i was treating my body treating my well-being in terms of physical well-being and i think the idea of all of us being inflamed is actually very true and it is definitely something that requires a change because when the change happens it really really feels totally different so maybe give that a chance, Uh, give your body the right to have a few intervals every now and then, as many of them as you can, where it doesn't feel threatened and attacked. I think that makes a big difference. Thank you, Yalda, so much for joining me. Thank you for your time and wonderful advice. Thank you all for the alibi that you give me to record such wonderful conversations. Maybe share this with others that you believe need to pay more attention to their health and well being. And uh, remember that some moments uh, need to be left idle, like Yalda was saying. dreaming really really allows us to make our dreams come true Uh, it allows us to understand who we are inside and it's just that peace that really tells our bodies tells our parasympathetic nervous systems that we are there in safety and that everything is okay and so perhaps we could chill a little bit so it doesn't really matter how busy you are today please allow yourself a tiny bit of
1: time to slow down. I love you all for listening and I will see you next time.